0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host joined as always by my co-host, Brendan Veman. How's it going, Brendan?
1: Hey, it's going good, Bryce. I'm excited for this one. I'll tell you what.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, hey, you're you're a big Solana fanboy. I've been uh, a Solana guy for years. It's just been an incredible ecosystem and and when everybody, you know, kind of wrote them off uh years ago, they doubled down they tripled down they continued to hire they pursued and persisted through pain and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and guess what in 2023 solana was one of the best performing tokens uh in the crypto market and probably the best token in the top you know 25 of the liquid trading tokens um something like 890 percent. i just checked um so very excited to see just not only the growth in um kind of the the trading markets and and the the retail markets, but more importantly, a big engine underneath, which is the institutional growth. And so we wanted to dive into this and kind of uh, hear from the horse's mouth. So we brought on Nick Dukoff, who's joining us today on the podcast, uh, who is the head of institutional growth with Solana. Um, So Nick, uh, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
3: That's E-U-F-Y, video lock, or visit ufeofficialcom slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y, video lock. Videolock, Video Lock, get complete control over your front door. Absolutely.
0: Um, when, when did you join the Solana Foundation, and, and how have things changed maybe since the day you joined?
2: Yeah, I joined the Solana Foundation recently. I think I'm among, if not the newest member of the team. Um, I joined in the second half of the year uh, right around breakpoint. Um, I had been doing some um, consulting with the foundation prior to joining the team full-time, um, and it's been a fun run. Um, how have things changed since I joined? Um, everybody wants to take my phone calls now, um, <laughs> Yeah, which is great. I love
0: that. Um, it's funny, I mean when the markets turn I mean like you joined in August that was at the lows I mean that was the the dead lows almost of a bear market and uh contraction in the altcoins and what what was it that kind of made you you know leave you know I want to hear about kind of what you were doing prior to Solana what made it um, about crypto so special maybe about Solana so special that was like you know what I'm gonna dive in and, and who cares if it's a bear market for a year or two years because
2: at that point prices didn't even turn around yet. Yeah, absolutely. So I had been at a venture fund prior to joining the Solana Foundation and the most interesting projects that I um, had been talking to were all building on Solana. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I when I really kind of dug deep to understand why that was and and understand the underlying technology that the Solana blockchain offers, it became clear that this was just a superior um, technology choice. And, you know, you know, the the saying, which is untrue, that if you build it, they will come, that is not a true saying. But in the case of Solana, um, the ecosystem, you know, just has been incredibly um, resilient and have they've been continuing to just deliver, deliver, deliver. And I think as folks became more and more aware of the great technology underlying the protocol And then as more liquidity and volume came to the protocol, it has become, you know, compounding effects to make it what it is today.
1: And can you comment on what all these different people and projects said about why they were choosing Solana as opposed to other crypto projects? Sure. So Solana is a high performance layer one blockchain that has
2: pioneered extreme speed and throughput at web scale without sacrificing security or decentralization. So it can process over 65,000 transactions per second with a block time of sub 400 milliseconds. So this is just blazing, blazing fast and able to handle a ton of transaction volume. And this is all along with extremely low fees. So Solana has deterministic fees, which today at around $100 a soul is 0.0005 cents per transaction. And I think that like, Blows people's minds who are not as familiar with Solana, who may even have some familiarity with L2s. I mean, even on L2s, you're paying a few cents, ten cents, you know, depending on um, mainnet way. Solana is like crazy, crazy cheap to transact on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that Solana passed Ethereum in daily transactions and in daily volume the other day, uh, and that was kind of a crazy thing to see. I think even on the NFT side of things. Uh, Solana is getting a ton of attention for all the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, a lot of those NFT traders, it kind of hurts profitability when you're paying 20, 25 bucks per transaction. They go to Solana, they pay a few cents. Uh, suddenly those profit margins completely open up, right? No, I think, I think that's exactly
2: right. And in Q4, I think there was over 40 million average daily, daily transactions on Solana. And as far as unique fee payers, I think that number was close to half a million in December alone. Wow, wow
0: it, and yeah, it's just it's just crazy like um to to be able to trade for for such low cost and you know Brendan, you you kind of mentioned um the nft traders or like the retail crypto traders, but think about an institution who's making millions of trades a day. I mean there there can't be any legitimate high frequency trading yet on ethereum it's Cost prohibitive. It, 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 you know, you get laughed out the room if you went and pitched an HFT on, on you know, using Ethereum. But Solana, I mean, now you have real firms like Jump, for instance, high frequency trading firm, um, very active in the development. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, Nick, what, what it's like, you know, kind of working with these institutions. What are they? What are they kind of leveraging Solana for? Is it you know, you know, uh, you know, providing liquidity mostly to retail markets? Is it tokenizing assets? What are they really thinking? Solana is compelling
2: for? Well, I think, you know, there are myriad use cases. And I think that is one of the strongest attributes of the Solana blockchain is that, um, and I and I mean this in a positive way, is the generis- genericity, like that it is a generic blockchain and can be yeah. useful in a variety yeah. of different general um, purpose u- u- utilities. That's right. And so like in the institutional RWA um Vertical, like there are great examples like Ondo and Maple and Treasuries that are taking different approaches to um, offering treasuries on chain in the private credit space. There are folks like Credix um, in Latin America and Bridge Split and private credit that are doing really great work. In real estate, there's um, organizations like Homebase that is tokenizing residential real estate and EmpireDAO, which is tokenizing um, like a commercial REIT. Um, And then folks like Etherfuse, which is uh, tokenizing Mexican sovereign bonds, and the list goes on and on. And those are some RWA examples. And then you've got, you know, large institutions that um, I'm not able to talk about, you know, all of the work that they're doing um, to protect the confidentiality of that. But um, really interesting things that only the speed and throughput and cost that Solana enables like allows for.
0: Yeah. And and when you kind of, you know, mentioned some of these, these companies that are leveraging it for RWAs, this is kind of a new term that's been getting thrown around quite a bit. Um, you, you and I actually met, uh, at the bridges conf or yeah, it was called the bridge, uh, hosted by the Thai incredible conference, but like I couldn't sit through one panel without hearing the term RWA. Um, and which, Hey, I, I'm, I'm all about it. I think it's great, but can you kind of walk through the people, uh, walk through for the people, what real world assets bringing them on chain? What does that do? Um, and
2: wh- why is that kind of now such a big trend? Sure. So markets want to be 24-7, 365, right? Yes. Um, they, Money they... at the
0: speed of life. <laughs> That's right.
2: You know, um, your um, life I've doesn't
0: yet... stop on the weekends.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm sure you saw some of the jokes this weekend. Last week, obviously, was a big week for the blockchain and crypto space with the first Bitcoin ETFs um, being launched. And there was some price movement, I, I think, on Friday night. I can't remember, you know, it, price dropped and everybody yep. was saying, oh, I can't wait to buy the dip Tuesday morning when the market opens. Right? <laughs> um, of course, you can there's a million different ways to go buy Bitcoin, you know, 24 seven. But that's kind of the point when you when you self-custody and have, have access to control over your crypto, you know, you are not constrained by, you know, the same limitations that traditional markets um, may have. Um, and so we're starting to see innovation around, you know, bringing more assets that are typically traded either over the counter on on public markets or, you know, in private markets to the blockchain with global liquidity, 24-7, 365 trading, um, you know, easy Forex swapping, you know, using stable coins, um, you know, all the benefits that the blockchain provides. And, you know, again, these are assets, you know, funds ETFs REITs um, long t- you know long tail collectibles like art um, I've seen watches I've seen um, you know whiskey and wine like mm-hmm. anything that is traded in markets today can be traded on chain and I think you know markets want you know to be 24/7 365 they want access to global liquidity um and you know crypto and the blockchain you know free the markets of a lot of the constraints of 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 traditional infrastructure
0: yeah it, it's it's incredible because it really allows you like we said you know to to extend that same idea of you know you could buy bitcoin anywhere you could send it anywhere at any time for for virtually you know very small fee extend that to solana and then extend that to to all of your assets that you're never going to be constrained by the man you're never going to be constrained by some some system some you know weekend some holiday I mean literally anything it's you always are going to be online and I think kind of in a world where it's it's ever growing you know you know in, of importance to to be online and uh, to you know be available and and to have your assets when you need them wherever you need them and it, it's it's incredible um, so i'm really excited. And um, outside of RWAs, um, you know, where else are you kind of seeing an uptick in growth on Solana? What, um, you know, what are you and your team kind of track? You know, maybe what are what are some of the key things that are you know growing that that you guys are
2: excited about? Yeah, so I think you know, going back to an earlier comment, one of the exciting things about Solana is that there's broad interest and in activity and utility like across um, verticals. Um, and that's because Solana is an order of magnitude faster and cheaper than L2s, and we have devs all over the world building on, testing, and improving on the protocol every day, launching new projects. And so, I think for Solana, that diversity um, of utility is, is a strength. Um, and with respect to what ver- you know, what's happening in other verticals outside of institutional, you know, I just love attending our weekly internal updates because there's so many interesting things happening across the Solana ecosystem. So, you know, for example, Helium and Hivemapper in decentralized physical infrastructure, Visa and WorldPay and payments, Shopify and Boba Guys and Loyalty Commerce. We just sponsored our Basel in Miami for NFTs and creators. The Sagaphone um, on mobile has kind of taken a life of its own. And so, as you can see, there's just tons of exciting developments across the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned that's just, that there's so much happening on Solana right now and I kind of want us to backtrack just a little bit before you know we move forward but going back to kind of the start of this year like walk us through what led Solana to such a historic recovery last year was it just the idea that Solana was like the best tech i mean Solana kind of toppled most other cryptocurrencies in this process. I mean, when you look at on-chain metrics, off-chain metrics, there's a ton of attention kind of coming that way. So, I guess from from your unique opinion, you know, what really led Solana to putting itself in that position?
2: Yeah. So, I, I think I want to give credit to the many great developers that were building, you know, in the bear over the course of of 2023. Um, you know, coming out of the Breakpoint Conference in October, I, I think the broader crypto and blockchain ecosystem really coalesced around the idea of Solana as being, you know, that kind of most credible high performance layer one blockchain with lightning fast speed and throughput and extremely low cost, you know, deterministic fees, um, along with resilient and robust security um, and performance. And, you know, that was coupled with events like Jito's airdrop um, and meme coins like Bonk that have kind of driven more interest and liquidity. Um, and volume on Solana, um, as I mentioned, um, you know there were 40 million um, transactions um, in in Q4 and nearly 200 thousand daily active fee payers. So you know th- this is happening across you know a pretty deep base of users. Um, and there's also a ton of excitement around you know upcoming developments in 2024, like token extensions, which was known as Token 22, as well as jump's new validator client that they're working on the fire dancer um, validator client, which will make Solana only the third blockchain with multiple validator clients. So I, I think, um, you know, it's a function of you, we saw this in telecom, you know, there used to be like the baby bells. There were like tons, every kind of um, major market had its own telecom provider and then that consolidated. And, you know, now there's whatever Verizon T-Mobile, um, I don't even know if Sprint's still around, you know, there's a handful of, <laughs> <got> uh, acquired. <laughs> of providers and I think you're seeing that in the blockchain space where, um, liquidity wants to be aggregated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think l 2s kind of balkanize liquidity. Um, and, and by the way, like I, I have very much been an ETH maxi for a very long time. My first metamask transaction was March of 2018. So like I've, I've been there as part of that community for a very long time and I'm still a huge fan of, of Ethereum in the community. But I think what Solana brings to the table in terms of the technology and also the community and ecosystem is just unrivaled by any other blockchain.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's incredible just to see the, the like you said, you know, kind of the general purpose nature of it. And there being so many sectors in um, one company that you mentioned um, was Helium. And it's um, amidst many other um, phenomenal companies. But I'd love for you to kind of talk about Helium in a sense, because this is one that's been getting just a ton of traction, a ton of excitement. Um, and it's, it's really only possible on a platform like Solana. I think they kind of tried to do it on Ethereum. There wasn't enough throughput. It just got bogged down. Um, and it's, it's decentralizing
4: physical infrastructure. Um, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, so I I am not a Helium expert, but the kind of the top level is that Helium has um, wireless transmitters that are operated in a decentralized manner. So basically anybody can buy the hardware, put it up on, you know, on their roof or or whatever and create an access point to the Helium network and they get paid in um, Helium tokens um, to be providers um, of, of capacity. Um, for that network and it was originally launched for wifi and now it is also available for mobile. And so, um, they recently announced a $20 nationwide, um, all you can eat mobile plan, um, where if you are a, um, user of the mobile network, you can also use your phone's capacity to provide, um, um, spectrum to the network as well and get compensated. So I've seen um, online that people are like making more than the twenty dollars, which is you know I pay like hundred fifty dollars I think for for my cell phone plan. So twenty dollars is a pretty great bargain on its face. And then I've seen people that by providing access to their phone's network are making money, so they're actually profiting from um, getting you know free cell service essentially from from Helium, which is incredible.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I had a buddy who called me the other day and he's like, Hey, I'm using helium and it's paying for my cell service. And um, I'm running helium services and it's awesome, man. Like you got to try this out. I just got married. It's great. It's working good for the family. (laughs) And you're just kind of like going Yeah. He had this like Revelation about how useful Deepin is and kind of the direction that it can go, and so we had this really cool conversation. He was stoked on it because this was his first experience with with Deepin, as I'm sure it was for a lot of people. And he had this really positive experience, uh, which was cool to kind of get to see it from from someone else's perspective and from someone else's lens. And I kind of think that that's where we're at with Deepin right now is we're we're really just at the start of it, kind of similar to. The RWA space, and I think that Pin has so many more applications and that it can evolve into something so much greater than just what it's being used for now. And I think helium um, is kind of just the first project of, of many. So I'm curious, you know are there any other projects and I know you mentioned a few of them earlier, but are there any that are out now that you kind of see along the same path as maybe helium? Um, or, or even or maybe, another
0: big like enterprise or institution that might be doing something like T Mobile is doing similar um kind of growth hack in that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so in the deep end space, um, and, and this is the whole promise of the ownership economy, right? That, you know, um we the people can be providers um, you know, to the global network and whatever vertical it may be, and then be compensated for participating um, you know, in that network as opposed to, you know, a small number of global corporations kind of capturing, a, a, you know, an, an inordinately large piece of that pie. Um, another example is Hive Mapper. So Hive Mapper Very cool. is a device that um, you put in your windshield and it records um, road and traffic conditions. So similar to, to Waze, you know, that's on your phone. Um, and they're building, you know, a, a, a de novo Google Maps where, um, by logging mileage, you know, of recording, um, you get compensated in, in the, Hive, in the um, HiveMapper token. Um, and, you know, uh, Uber drivers, big rig drivers, folks like that that are on the road all day are, you know, participating in that. Um, and, and it's really creating an, open, an incredible open source um, and valuable um, resource for drivers all around the world.
0: Yeah, man, there, there's got to be a future where we decentralize Uber and Lyft. Um, I, I think about every single time I'm in an Uber, the driver complains about how there much. Is
2: Solana, there is a Solana Uber. It's called a uh, uh, what is it called? Let's see if I've got this somewhere on my phone.
0: I got to um, check it out. Oh gosh, because it's such a huge opportunity. I mean, people are are always complaining that you know Uber's taking too big of a cut, but in reality, you know they're just a matching Teleport. engine
2: teleport
0: teleport i'm writing that one down all right everyone on one listeners get on teleport um (laughs) and catch a catch a uber ride with a solana bag holder uh just kidding um no but but it's such an opportunity um the 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 economics you know work so much more in favor of the consumer and the producer when you don't have a middleman who's just kind of taking a taking a cut um so I think like you, know, you mentioned, like the, the real magic of, of, of all this is like the ownership economy. Um, and so being able to have, in, in a sense, an, an open source algorithm that's the matching engine that, you know, both people could kind of, you know, get into and, and both have a peer to peer facilitation of any sort of transaction, um, which I think is going to be, you know, a, a big piece of the future. Um and I, I kind of want to pivot the conversation um, back to like you know this institutional aspect of crypto. And I know you joked earlier about um, kind of people picking up your phone call now, um, and that, well, that wasn't always the case. And it's probably a, a combination of um, you know the prices going up and the market just getting a little bit more confidence, but also these Bitcoin ETFs. And this is a real big deal. Um, it's it's been talked about quite a bit. But um, does that change your day to day now that you have the likes of Fidelity and BlackRock and You know, maybe Vanguard comes around, you know, in a year or two. Um, But does that kind of change your day to day um, now that you have some big players in in the market?
2: I don't I don't know that it changes my day to day. Um, You know, having been, you know, in blockchain for a a long time, you know, um, these are all um, important milestones along the road to, you know, global adoption. But we're still in the incredibly early innings of this. Um I think I saw yesterday that um circle shared that they've got two point seven million wallets with ten dollars in it um which is a, a remarkable achievement but when you think about that like i'm a half dozen of those at least and um you know there are eight billion people on the planet, and you know less than a fraction of of one percent of people have ten dollars of u s d c and u s d c you know being um you know, one of the world's most um, used stable coins being like a fundamental building block to accessing, you know, kind mm-hmm. of global DeFi, you know, um, payments, etc. You know, we're still in incredibly early innings. I, I did see that 600 million in, in net inflows came into those Bitcoin ETF products in their first <clears throat> week of trading. And, you wow. know, that's not nothing, you know, that's closer to a billion than it is to zero. And, you know, it. so that's that's good. And you know, these asset managers haven't really even turned on their distribution yet, so there should be a lot more behind that over the course of the year. And, you know, I think the first application was filed a decade ago. So I know this has taken just a ton of work and, and grit and commitment um, from so many people in the ecosystem to, to get this across the line. And I know those, those same people are very committed to promoting this product and, and making it, making it successful. Um, you know, I'll say as a crypto native myself, I'm a fan of of self custody, but I, I recognize I like that, <laughs> good. Um, but I recognize that isn't practical for a lot of retail and a lot of institutional investors. And the ETF does give you know day one billions of people around the world an easier way to access the asset class, even if they're not holding the asset themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, this was something that was seriously a decade in the making. I mean, people have been waiting for this thing for so long and the moment's finally here. And so, you know, there's probably a good chunk of people out there that are now kind of sitting there saying, "Hey, this is great. Like we've been waiting for this kind of institutional and uh full-on adoption, but now that we've had the ETFs get approved, what other major milestones do we have to look forward to? So, is there any on the radar that that you kind of have from an institutional growth perspective that you're looking forward to seeing?
2: Boy, I I think, you know, it'll be good when there's some regulatory clarity in the United States. You know, other markets have kind of moved a bit ahead of the United States in terms of their willingness to, um, you know, innovate and allow for, um, you know, development within their blockchain ecosystem. I think the U.S. is a little behind there. And so whether it's stable coins, which, <clears throat> you know might be um you know the first legislation or how um you know the SEC ultimately ends up you know regulating to- tokens um i know uh coinbase i read in the in the wall street journal that they're asking for um summary judgment um i believe tomorrow um yep. on, on their case so you know how that pans out um i think will be another big milestone and will allow for more Um, you know, innovation around how the blockchain is used, you know, to help um, create more assets that can be accessed by, you know, those billions of people around the world that may not have access, um, you know, to to certain products.
1: Yeah. And I think the big thing about having clear regulation is that this encourages more institutional money to get in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of the The thing that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, for retail, it is actually pretty easy for the average retail investor to get in now. You can go to Coinbase. I mean, heck, now you can even buy from wallets. I see that like MetaMask, I think, has PayPal integrations. (laughs) It's really easy now to get your hands on, on Bitcoin and most cryptos as a retail investor. But I think what clear regulation will do is that'll kind of really open up the floodgates for that institutional money, the big money, the smart money to more freely kind of be involved in the crypto space.
0: Yeah, and it allow a lot of these businesses to even operate onshore. I mean, so many of them are are going offshore, and think about offshore businesses are going to be offshore profits and tax revenue. And it's like you, you think the the government's just dropping the huge ball right now when you realize. I mean, this is a black hole for liquidity. Like, why don't you want to, you know, try and capture uh, as much market share as possible instead of uh, the bad guys or uh, the competition or whatever? But I'm not a government guy. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't fathom what's going on in their minds. too complex regulation. I hope it comes. I hope it's good regulation. Um, yeah. you know, call your senators, call your congressmen. Uh, let them know that you just want positive crypto policy. Um, but Nick, while we still have you, um, you know i'm I'm just curious, I mean you you've you know you haven't um, um, been always on the investment side. You've also been a builder and you've been a founder before. Um, can you tell us a, a couple secrets uh, for for those of us who are out there, maybe entrepreneurs in the crypto market or building our own companies? You know, you, you've obviously gotten to to a point where you, you've achieved a lot of success. So, what did it take um, to to become successful?
2: <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but you know, I've I've worn a lot of different hats. So, I I started my career as a securities lawyer. Uh, then I became a founder and and did a couple startups um, of my own. Um, and then I got to, you know, put on the venture capital hat and see the market through that lens. Um, now, of course, at the at the Solana Foundation, um, I, I think, you know, if you think about it in um, terms of like a hierarchy, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the the base level is you've just got to work, you know, harder than anybody else. Like mm-hmm. that is a fundamental foundational layer. Um, even if you get towards the top of that pyramid and have like the best strategy and you know um, um, the best smarts and all that other you know good stuff and luck, you know you still need to work harder than than everyone else in, in order to win. Um, as you as you move up that kind of hierarchy, I think um, you you want to be working hard on the right things. So having you know kind of um, market selection is really important. So making sure that you're you're choosing a market that wants whatever it is that you're building. Um, And, you know, people talk about product market fit. And I think most people focus on the product. Like if you go Google product market fit, almost every article you read will be about like A-B testing and like refining your product. And and I think a lot of people um, make a big mistake there and that they're not um, solving for the market side of the product market fit equation um, you can always just change markets or choose a different market. Um, and I think where you start is really important in terms of market selection. Um, so, you know, now you're working hard, you're working on the right problem, like in the right market. Um, you want to be surrounding yourselves with, with people that are, you know, 10 times smarter than you. So, um, you know, that, that, that's ultimately how you're going to get, um, you know, leverage is by, by surrounding yourself with, you know, amazing team members. That's one of my favorite things about the Solana Foundation is that just the team here is completely stacked. And then when you think about the leverage that the Solana Foundation gets, we work in service of the ecosystem and the community. So there's thousands of, of active developers and, and, and community members, tens of thousands all over the world. And you know, being able to support them every day and you know, kind of um, support their brilliance and their innovation and allow them to create and build new things is a, is a real privilege. Um, and so, same as an entrepreneur is surround yourself with brilliant people, free them to do great work, you know, allow them to get um you know as much leverage as they can um you know to go execute and, and build great things in the market and then I think <clears throat> you know you've got um hard work, you've got um market selection, you've got leverage with amazing people, and then you know at the end of the day, you still need to have a little luck um and that's something that I didn't fully appreciate, I think when I was younger, mm-hmm. I think I thought that there was more um in, in my control, and I'm stoic.eth and stoically.soul. Um, stoically. Like I'm 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 have come to learn that um, there is a lot in our locus of control, and we've got to do you know everything we can um, in 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 that domain. But there's also a lot that isn't in our control that is outside of our control. And and you know at the end of the day, the chips just got to fall um, in your favor, even if you do everything else right.
0: that that was, that was that was before you go off on the next question i just got to say that was like the best answer i could have ever bargained for <laughs> way, way better i thought it was going to be uh you know um not nearly as good of an answer Um, very thorough so appreciate that thanks
1: yeah i mean as you mentioned the the crypto space is becoming increasingly more robust and with that there's so many people so many projects to kind of look up and look forward towards you know is there someone that comes to the top of your mind when you admire someone in the crypto space?
2: Well so who I admire in the crypto space, this may sound a bit trite, but it's Satoshi Nakamoto, you know what like what an absolutely cool unsolved mystery. You know, publishing the Bitcoin white paper and just ghosting everyone is like the <laughs> ultimate mic drop. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if we'll ever know who we owe, you know, this huge debt of gratitude to. Um, But I really do believe that his or her um, disappearance, their absence has created the space to let the blockchain become something that, you know, again, kind of we all have inherited and can own um, and, and build on together. And, you know, that makes you an owner, that makes me an owner. And then we have that opportunity and responsibility to continue to make things, you know, more composable and useful, um, you know, for those that follow. And, and the benefits, of course, flow back um, for doing that. And I think that is kind of the kernel of the ownership economy. And I, I think we owe that to Satoshi.
0: Yeah, I think that's that, that's a great place to, to kind of tie a bow on today's episode. Um, Nick, I, I'm just curious if people want to follow along and, and stay in, in touch, um, you know, where should people... Uh go is you know stoic.eth I, I know you you mentioned. Um are you on X or Twitter? Uh is Solana got a, a Discord?
2: Yep. So I am uh, Nick Dukov N I C K D-U-C-O-F-F on Twitter and I'm stoic on Warpcast or Farcaster as it mm. is uh sometimes affectionately known. Um that's what it was called when it started. Um and then of course you can follow Solana Foundation on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, would love to see you at our events Um, we have events all over the world all the time um, and welcome all newcomers to the Solana Ecosystem
0: awesome thank you so much Nick for joining us and uh, spending some time giving us your wisdom and hopefully everybody at home uh, was diligent took some notes and is better off for coming uh, to the show today so uh, without further ado we'll let you go thank you so much and for everybody at home watching come back same time same place next week another great guest